I, I feel like I'm really better off the cuff. Oh, well, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't feel like it anymore. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Geek Chew. I'm Eamon. And I'm Charlene. And this week we're going to be talking about uh, The Shadow Hero by Gene Lu and Yang and Sonny Liu. And uh, USA Network's new TV show, Mr. Robot. So, um, before that though, we usually get into anything we've been enjoying. It's been a couple weeks since we recorded, so. We saw Mission Impossible. We did. I don't remember the names of them anymore. Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. Yeah, the fifth installment. Yeah. Um, and we, I watched Ink Master Season 2 with Courtney. That's all you have to say that. about Mission Impossible? Uh, I don't know. I figured we'd get to more of that a little bit when... I don't know. I just... Well, I guess I it brought was it up li- on a separate occasion. I guess. I don't know. I was just listing things. I did this, this, and this. Um, I really liked... Mission Impossible. Courtney really wants to see it. Yeah. So I felt a little bit of guilt that we planned to see it without him, but yeah, whatever, no, was, he'll survive. It was good. Uh, you know, it's... I mean, it's it's exactly what you'd expect. Yeah. I mean, they use the same same characters and even bring some, you know, Ving Rhames is back for this one with a bigger part than he's had for uh, since the first one. Biggest part since the first one, maybe. But uh, I'm not a Mission Impossible, like expert so it's been a while since we watched all the movies but mm-hmm. he was kind of more of a background player maybe the second one he was in quite a bit but um yeah i don't know it you know same stuff yeah uh, you're better at remembering like that stuff high me. action right um, you know tom cruise doing all his own stunts well not all of his own stunts but like that was him hanging off an airplane as it took off <laughs> and, um yeah, how much of that is he doing on his own? Did you look up any of that? I didn't, but I've heard that that's like him on the side of the airplane, like yeah, unharnessed. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that he's anything. That uh, he does his. That's crazy, but um, I mean, how old is this guy now? In his fifty-three. Right? Yeah. yeah okay. But he, uh, I mean, we went to see it at the Alamo Draft House, and they had the. Uh, it was like I think it was from the MTV Movie Awards. There was like a skit with yeah, Ben Stiller as mm-hmm. his. Uh, I remember that for Mission Impossible. Like too. watching that one, we used to watch the MTV Movie Awards. Yeah, but that was that was funny to just go back and see something like that, um, where he's you know changed his whole look to look like Tom Cruise. Legally changed his name to Tom Tom Cruise. Cruise. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was good. I, I liked. Um, everything about it. It was just a fun movie. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, Simon Pegg is good. Uh, as always. I think all of the, it hits all of the same things. You're, you know, you, you've sort of come to expect that Ethan Hunt's character really does have like the bigger picture in mind when he's trying to, you know, figure out how to get through the scenario, even though we can't figure it out and we don't know what's going on. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, definitely a, a fun, a fun yeah, watch. It was worth it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we saw it on Thursday night before it was, you know, set to release on Friday. I'm not sure how they how decide which movies play Thursday night. And I, I mean, I just happened to look it up cause I thought maybe it was playing 
the night before, but uh, I mean, the release date was Friday, but this is really uninteresting. So, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Ink Master, Ink Master Master season two, a friend of mine at work suggested I watch it because we talk about tattoos and stuff. Um, and so I started binge watching it in the mornings while I'm doing some other things and Courtney sat and watched it. And now Courtney's talking about when he gets his first tattoo, (laughs) like he's got like, he, he's envisioned like getting this giant death stroke on his arm and i'm like mm-hmm. yeah okay Imagine yeah. parents yeah. yeah he's like well i'll have dc characters and i'm like yeah you're, i'm sure that's gonna be your very first tattoo it's cute, like, you also have yes it's very cute like in five years you probably won't change your mind at all you know but whatever um very excited about uh the taylor swift sing-along yeah the yeah pop sing-along it's like 2K pop sing-along and featuring Taylor Swift at Alamo Draft House that we got tickets for to go see with Tegan and very, very, very excited about that. Also, I may be developing a peanut allergy. Just thought I'll throw that in there. It's weighing on me. Um, I know I know you think I'm being ridiculous, but, you know, <clears throat> we'll see if I make it through the day. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're in the clear now. <laughs> No, I, I mean, we visited Lush Cosmetics again. Yes, also super interesting. It is interesting. I like their soap. Yeah, we spend a lot of time picking out soap. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's, you know, the Jim Gaffigan show. Oh, Speaking I only saw the TV, one episode. Have you been watching more of it? Well, there's only two on uh, Hulu. They've act- they put the pilot up, and then the second episode. I watched the pilot. It was good. You know, it's oh, so I'm only loosely based episode. on his stand-up and his real life with his many kids in their small apartment. But, uh, and you know, he plays himself. He's a comic who does like a clean act, which he is what he does. But mm-hmm. the show's funny. It's it's good. Um, I've found a couple more podcasts that I like. Uh, most of them, most of the stuff that I've found and been listening to on a regular basis is. Uh, mostly interviews with like creators. So there's, there's this sketched um, website that has a couple podcasts. One, I think is just a couple guys talking about comics. I haven't really listened to that one yet, but the other one is called sketched out and it's, um, it's really interesting. The first episode they did like an hour long interview with Sean Murphy, who was very interesting. He had, um, he was very, uh, you know, open and honest about the comic book business and, you know, his career and uh, just some of the stuff in the background that you don't really hear. And some people probably wouldn't talk about because they think it's kind of, um, it's a taboo subject. Yeah. But, but he doesn't. And it was good. (laughs) It was very interesting. So uh, when we were, I forget where we were. And you were like, oh, and you started to tell me something. And then you're like, no, wait, I can't tell you this. Is that what that was? Because I could have used a new podcast to listen to this week. Yeah, well, I've just given you another one yesterday, the uh, Black Tape podcast, which is not creator-centric, uh, but okay, I also very good. I should read that down because I already forgot that you told me that. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> the first episode of that is under my belt almost, and it's very interesting so far, but... Uh, what else? 
there's this thing like movies in LA keep coming up on the on the podcast that I listen to. Movies in LA? Yeah, like the way they play movies. Um Kevin Smith said one of the reasons he wanted to move to LA was they play movies early in the morning, like nine o'clock, you can go to the movies. But that's um, a weird reason to move across right. the country. I'm sure that was at the bottom of his list, but <laughs> It's just it's just one of those things that, you know, is available there. But what really interested me was, I think it was on one of the Nerdist podcasts where they go, I think they do it probably in more than one location, but at least recently at the Hollywood Bowl, they played Back to the Future, but they took out the soundtrack and had like a live orchestra playing the uh, yes, the music. Yes, I heard on the... I would um, love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did That was on the... Um... Leah Thompson. Yeah. One. Yeah, mm-hmm. which was a good one. Um, I feel like there was another, oh, the Andy Greenwald podcast. They got one of the guys, it's separate from the Hollywood Perspectives, but he does interviews on that. And, and that's a good, good podcast too. They actually, he had Rami Malik, Malik on um, last week, maybe, who's the star of Mr. Robot, the show we were going to talk about today. But uh, some other ones that are interesting too. The guys who just, made uh, the new vacation movie, but yeah. How um, do you feel about that new vacation movie? I don't I mean, it looks funny. It does look funny. And it's not a remake. It's just, no, you know, it's Rusty growing up with like his kids. The trailer that I saw seems very like he's just like Chevy Chase's character or trying to be like that instead of how Rusty would, I mean, did Rusty grow up to be just like his dad? I don't know. Um, I guess we'll see it though, but yeah. yeah. Uh, it does look funny. Some other, some other movie, comic book movie news. It uh, it looked like Channing Tatum was going to walk away from his Gambit role, which I had, when I initially heard that he was going to play Gambit, I was like, "Eh," and then it kind of grew on me. Wait, he's not going to do that now? No, he is. He just, they just like signed the deal or closed it yesterday, but there were rumors that they were having trouble coming to a deal because of terms on the back end and compensation and stuff. But, hmm. um, yeah, I Must think Channing be. Tatum has earned the benefit of the doubt and he'll probably make a good gambit. So, uh, that movie's supposed to come out next year, I think. Exciting. But in general, they keep releasing uh, like, I'm not sure who's not going to be in Batman V Superman, <laughs> but, but they keep releasing all these characters and it, I guess it's not confirmed, but it sounds like Jenna Malone is going to play Barbara Gordon or Batgirl, probably just Barbara Gordon. But I'm sure it's a small part, but well, I'm not sure. Set up, set but it up, seems like up. it would be a small part for, yeah, further setup. And uh, I don't know. It's been two weeks, so I have a lot of stuff. It's <laughs> But I, I read the first volume of Iron Fist, Matt Fraction's Iron Fist, um, which I guess I didn't really um, do a lot of digging into if he co-wrote it with Ed Brubaker, but Ed Brubaker's name is on the on the book as well. But the art was by David Aha, who we you know I guess the last episode we talked about Hawkeye and their collaboration on that. The, it's it's very good, and I'm very excited about the uh, Netflix adaptation. Although last I'd heard, they're um, debating on how much of his mystical background to keep in the show, which is basically the whole character. So I hope they don't, I'm sure they'll do fine. Uh, Are you sure? No, it doesn't seem like you're but, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but the first volume of this book was very good and very entertaining, I thought. And the art was uh, really good. You picked that up digitally? Yeah. All right. And I should probably bring the iPad with me to work and on my lunch break I can it was good. read some of that. Yeah. And the art, you know, if I didn't know it was David Aha, I, I wouldn't, because it doesn't you look exactly know. like Hawkeye, which is good. Um, you know, everybody has their own developmental arc and, you know, maybe he just just had a different style in mind for the book. So, uh, but I mean, you can see it in there when you're, when you look, it's just, it's very entertaining and we're close enough now to the release of paper girls where it's being solicited in the previews and stuff. It's three months out with Brian K Vaughn and Cliff Chang. Right. I forgot I didn't even about know, that. I didn't even know like, uh, what it was supposed to be about, but the solicit says it's, um, war of the world meets stand by me. So I don't, <laughs> we should watch that with the kids. Yeah. Get a good cry out of them. But I'm sure it's, I don't know. Well, maybe Tegan. <laughs> Courtney cries. Uh, but maybe. I guess, yeah. I guess that's probably the bulk of my kind of weekly news, but I don't know. Do you want to get into the shadow hero? Did you have anything else before we move on? No, you don't want to talk about going green and natural soap, so we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can certainly talk about that if you want. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, Shadow Hero first. Okay. Okay. So, do you want to do the? You can. I'm not very. Apparently, my my. Well, did you prepare for it? Because maybe if you prepared for it. And I didn't just put you on the spot. Your summation will be more fluid. Wow, that was nice. Is it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, Wait. I try to. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm really better off the cuff. Oh, well, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't feel like it anymore. <laughs> um. Yeah, you go. Go ahead. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I feel all the pressure now. I can't do it. So it's a, a graphic novel that was published last year. It's not new, but we've been wanting to read it for since before it even came out. We right. just hadn't gotten around to it. Yes, and I've until been until now. Yeah, I've been. it was published by First Second and written by Jean Luen Yang, who we have read quite a few, if not almost everything he's done. I haven't um, read Level Up, but Courtney has. Yeah, and so he's the only one of us who's read all of his. You know, American born Chinese. Except for, well, he hasn't read the Avatar things and right. whatever that he wrote, but you know. Also, Superman. He's writing Superman now, yeah. which is um, I was excited for. We're two issues in. It's it's pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you have to. I think you need to like make me a pile or something of stuff so that way I know where things are. Like things are. <laughs> I'll sort through our existing piles Thank you. and make a, other <laughs> piles. Yeah, make a pile for me. Uh, but yeah, that that's that's pretty good so far. And we'll see where that goes. But he also wrote American Born Chinese, which I just finished like a, a month ago. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. We never talked about that. Yeah. I was actually, I was going to do a blog post or something. And uh, I never got around to that. So probably not going to happen at this point. But he also wrote The Boxers and Saints, which is which was very good. And the art is by Sonny Liu, who uh, I've never, you know, had any experience with his art before, but I thought was, was good. Yeah. In, very in fitting the book. For this. Yeah. For the story, it was really, really good. But speaking of the story anyway, it, I mean, it's, 
Well, should we give like a background of the character first? Because no, just get this book. And then well, the the background is interesting, I think. Yeah, but we can talk about the book first and then kind of backtrack. Okay. I mean, it's not like a secret origin, you know. It's I like know. they they made a big deal about you know where the character comes from and how they were adapting it and why and, mm-hmm. and all that. But this book starts off uh, basically in the Chinese Rebellion of 1911 where the emperor's kind of on his way out and there's these four spirits, animal spirits that are tied to 1911. That's what I wrote down. The collapse in 1911, the China, the Qing dynasty. But, uh, yeah, the, the four spirits are tied to the life of the country of China. They're Mm -hmm. its protectors. And as the country is going through all this change, um, the spirits are discussing what comes next, and the the turtle spirit is like peace tortoise. out tortoise. Yeah, I wrote down tortoise, but <laughs> um, so the the tortoise basically gets on a a ship that's emigrating to the United States and takes up residence with um, a passenger uh, on the ship. And he comes to America, and he eventually marries uh, a woman who had also emigrated to the United States from China. And um, her storyline is, is kind of different, where she comes over with her family, has all these expectations for what America will be, and is sorely disappointed. So she kind of goes through life obligated to everything, you know, her family and her station and, and all that. And they end up getting married. And the baby they have grows up, and he's the narrator of the story. And um, so, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time recapping, I guess, but his mother basically tries to push him into being a superhero. Which you know, is pretty funny. early in the book, where we're shown that this is a world with actual superheroes, right. and she decides that her son should be one. And they try all kinds of things <laughs> to uh, get him some superpowers. Uh, and they finally just the sent. result of which is him just turning glowing <laughs> right. dark neon pink when he gets wet, right? <laughs> which is not a superpower. Yeah, and then they eventually settle on there's some uh, rodent based super superhero that just trains a lot, and so they figure that's the best way to get him. Which I think is great backstory on how he like you know has has. Um, some fighting skill, you yeah. know, like otherwise, where would he have learned it if he's right. just this grocer's kid? Yeah. So that's that's a clever addition in there. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so basically, I mean, the tortoise spirit for, that was with his dad through the story ends up with the kid. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he has this one wish I guess associated with the spirit taking residence with him and his wish is that he never, he'll never be shot. So he's, you know, he's not invincible, but he's never going to be killed by being shot. Right. Plus the fighting skill. And, and that's basically the, the origin story of the, of the superhero. There's lots of funny little things mixed in. I like the, uh, the costume that his mother makes for him, the original costume that has like the big Chinese symbol on it in gold. And he's like, nobody's going to know what that says. <laughs> she, she like, golden man on, of bravery. Yeah. Souls on, sews on the, 
the actual translation underneath with a little arrow up. To, like, this is what it means. But yeah, so, I mean, other than that, you know, there's, there's lots of stuff that goes on. There's this Dick Tracy like character. I mean, down to like the bright yellow suit and yellow hat, mm-hmm. the detective that kind of hooks up with him as he goes on his, uh, superhero adventures. But, um, yeah, I mean, I really like that. It's a very Chinese American story, which is, you know, something that is obviously a important, you know, issue with Jean Luen Yang's writing, something yeah. that comes up. Um, it's, it's the story's funny and sad and touching and all of these things all wrapped up into one, which made it really enjoyable overall. Um, and I was familiar with the green turtle as a superhero, just from, um, a comics class that I took and, um, my professor, you know, studied specifically race and comics and stuff. So, um, you know, there's all this history and rumor on the original Green Turtle right. superhero that didn't last very long in the 1940s. Yeah. Um, well, I think, which, like I said before, I think that's interesting. Yeah, and me too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, during the Golden Age boom of comics with a bunch of smaller publishers popping up and seeing a profit to be made in the comic book industry, there were uh, smaller publishers that wanted their own superheroes and this uh, rogue, what was it? What was the name of the publisher? I don't, I remember. don't remember. I'd have to go back and look it up. I didn't write it down. But so they they had this uh, comic book writer Chu Hing in 1944. They asked him to create a superhero, and he wanted it to be. I mean, this is mostly this is mostly rumor that's been unconfirmed, I guess. But mm-hmm. he wanted to make a Chinese American superhero, and they're like, no, and to kind of subvert their uh, restrictions that they were trying to place on him. He made this green turtle superhero, but never, you never saw his face, never saw his face. It was always obscured by something or his back was always turned. And Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, basically the, the prevailing thought is that the green turtle is the first Chinese, Chinese superhero. superhero, Chinese American superhero in comics. But back then it wouldn't have been Chinese American. It would just been, so, um, you know, but that comic never really had an origin story. Uh, I guess it, you it know, didn't the, last very long. Yeah. It was like five issues. Mm-hmm. The, the turtle spirit that follows him around both in the old comic and the new comic, it was never really explained. Yeah. It was never explained in the old comic. <laughs> it was just, it was just kind of there all the time. And in, in this one, it's, it also accompanies him everywhere, but it's more of like a companion and you know, where it, Right, you have the story. Mm-hmm. Kind of offers uh, some comic relief at certain points in the story. It's pretty funny, but uh, yeah, I thought overall the the book was was very good. Uh, I enjoyed it. What did you think about? Because um, most of the other graphic novels that we've read, you know, by uh, Gene Yang, have been stuff he's written and drawn, and that stuff, you know really melds together really well, I think. And, uh, but with Sonny Lou, it's uh, obviously a a new collaborator and 
I thought it. I thought it went together really well. Yeah, I read. Too. I read some other stuff that that said the art was maybe a weak point, but I didn't think that was the case at all. Uh, yeah, I didn't think so either. I felt like it really fit with the story. Um, it was nice to see something a little different. Uh, yeah, you know. I don't know. I didn't have any. I don't think yeah. anything like. There's not much to say ex- about it. It's, exactly it's, stood out to me, but it didn't. It wasn't disappointing in any way yeah, at all. I didn't um, think so. I really enjoyed the way it fit together. I don't know. Um, I guess with the, I know this was up for some awards. I didn't see if it won anything, but I think most of his most of Gene Yang's writing is kind of fits in the YA category. Mm-hmm. How do you approach his most most of the stuff that that he writes? Because I. I, I don't want to call it like simple, but I think it's, there's a simplicity to the way he tackles complex. Oh yeah. Um, but not in any way that is, uh, that lessens the right. importance That's, of the, of the material in there for sure. I think it makes it more accessible to everyone to be able to be introduced to these important concepts and stories. And then, yeah. um, you know, as far as with Courtney reading them when he's younger, I mean, yeah, he's not going to necessarily grasp the gravity of everything that is being talked about, especially in something, things like boxers and saints and an American born, born Chinese. But, um, but you know, it's, it's a start and then it's something he can go back to when he's older and, and pick up more from, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it, I like that it's accessible. I, I would probably say more accessible yeah. to all ages than necessarily simplistic, but right. No, yeah. like I said, it's, it's not simplistic. It's, there's a simplicity like with a purpose. Did you yeah. have anything else on the shadow hero? No, I no. don't. I think it's, you know, I, I was happy with it and yeah. looking forward to having gl- Courtney read it and see what he thinks. Yeah. I'm glad we finally made it around to, um, to it. It's cause it's not like, it's, it's not like at the comic book store, you know, you have to go to a bookstore to get it or you have to like, we, we got it on Kindle, which was, you know, the easiest way (laughs) for us to, to get it. Uh, but it, it was good. And so, uh, I guess we'll move on to Mr. Robot, Mm -hmm. the new show on USA, which is, uh, in its first season, I think it's on episode six, but we've only made it through four. And, um, it was created by Sam Ismail. And so there's, I don't know, like probably five main characters in it. Um, but I guess we'll, we can get to that. I mean, basically it's about, um, I would say there's like two main characters and then like some secondary. Yeah. I guess it depends on tertiary characters probably. <laughs> I'm just saying, I wouldn't say five main characters that might be pushing it, but I mean, basically it's, uh, basically the main character is Elliot, the character that, uh, Rami Malek plays. And the narrator. Yeah. The extremely unreliable narrator of the entire. I love an, unreli- yeah. <laughs> I love an unreliable narrator. So he's, he's like a, a cybersecurity engineer who works at this company and he kind of takes up this, 
almost vigilante like hacker mission by night and we only really have seen that in one instance in the first episode i mean we know that he's doing that but i mean now it's a bigger picture but like the smaller scale stuff like with the little diner or whatever that he was at i mean am i forgetting something else that he did yeah i mean i mean he's basically hacked into the um whole security system and left that or they used his code to hack into that security system and then when he was called in to fix it he left the little right 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 but i'm saying but but now that that bigger story is carrying us through the rest of the sea the season we're not seeing like the little things that he's doing on a smaller scale is all yeah well there was that he got the drug dealer arrested ah right right right. okay yeah but yeah so he basically gets hooked up with this f society underground group that is um, recruited him to help destroy the E Corp. Um, or Evil Corp. Yeah, everybody calls it Evil Corp in the show. <laughs> but that's not... I mean, it, it's used so frequently by everybody that you almost think that that's the name of the company. Right. But it's um, apparently not. Uh, but, <laughs> but so... I don't know. I mean, other characters are Mr. Robot, who's played by Christian Slater. I like Christian Slater, but I cannot. I do not like his character. Do yeah. You, do you connect with his character at all? No. Like, I, I find him completely and totally unlikable. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things about the show. It's, um, you know, I guess it's it's a complete departure from shows that are typically on USA Network seems like it's their first foray into like um, prestige side. television. Yeah. That kind of, and, um, I think, you know, from what I've heard, it's their first, uh, step towards it. And they're kind of saying, Hey, this is the direction we're going in with a lot of our stuff. So we'll be seeing, you know, more of it, uh, for a first, for a first go around, this one's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we've talked about how I I really like it and enjoy watching it, but for some reason, I mean, there's just, it's so intense that I never like elect to watch it. I just sort of have to have you make me watch it and then get into it, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's a lot of things about it that are, um, that are kind of, that people have lauded so far six episodes in one of them is just the, uh, how faithful it is to how these hacker cultures use technology. And, um, you know, I, I saw an interview with the creator that was like, you know, most of the portrayals on movies and TV make it seem exciting. And well, no, he, he was saying it makes it seem like, um, corny and, you know, stupid. They don't really get it right when he, he's his, from his point of view, you know, the stuff that the hackers do is exciting. Just sitting in front of a computer screen and doing what they do. Obviously that's not what the whole show is about. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, we've talked briefly about that article from the Atlantic, um, about how diverse the cast is and, you know, uh, how they kind of approach 
gender norms and subvert those, uh, you know, society's views on masculine and masculinity and all that stuff. Uh, it was a good article, easy to Google, I guess, if you wanted to read that, but it does, you know, have a wide range of groups who are typically marginalized on TV mm-hmm. that are front and center, uh, for, for this story. But, um, so, I don't know. I, I think one of the most, Oh, go ahead. I mean, I, I listened to a, a review or a discussion on one of the podcasts that I listened to about it and, um, on, um, Slate's culture gab fest. And, uh, one of the, uh, hosts was, um, you know, said that Rami Malek's character was unlikable. And I didn't find that at all, you know, as far as I, mean, yeah. I, I find him to be very likable while disturbed and, you know, um, unreliable as a narrator and, you know, imperfect as far as a hero character. Yeah. Um, goes. Yeah, but like, I don't find him unlikable. I find him endearing and, you know, sort of, um, you know, uh, having like a code of ethics that he tries to stand by. And, you know, I even find that like the unlikable characters for me are the people who are more traditionally likable, like the, Ex, the well the the friend I don't His really like from childhood yeah or... Angela I don't love her I mean as I mean I I like her as an actress playing that role but as far as the character I don't, I don't like the I don't like her I don't like her boyfriend yeah I like his boss you don't usually like the boss right I like his I like Elliot's girlfriend the right his... the drug dealer like, you so don't that's... usually like the drug right. dealer so you know <laughs> yeah it's so. Some of the stuff that I guess makes him this extremely unreliable narrator are his, um, well, one, I think the most uh, obvious thing is his addiction to, to morphine. He does this thing where he's got this plan where he'll do uh, his morphine and then take something that kind of counteracts it. So he's quote unquote, not an addict and, you know, he runs out right, of one. Right, but that's and, from his point of view. That right. He's not, yeah. And, you know, eventually, not too long into the show, he's just doing the morphine, and then he's in withdrawal. And, you know, added on top of that, all the issues that he has, his social anxiety and his his past and the stuff that he's been through, um, it really... Uh, right, different psychological diagnosis. Yeah, and that's like one of the things, one of the more interesting uh, kind of, I don't want to say it's a subplot, but it's one of the interesting things that's running, you know, along in the show is what, what's real and what's not, you know, you can't, you can't really, you can see the influence from something like fight club. Cause you can't really tell even right. if Mr. Robot is real. Cause yeah, well, sometimes like, it seems like he's not there. Sometimes it seems like he's just talking to Elliot. Right. Well, there's the, I mean, the first time Elliot goes to Coney Island and meets like this team, this F society team, Mr. Robot like yells at all of them, but like, I need to go back and watch it and see if maybe right. it could like, just be him yelling. Yeah. You know, well, it could be just him being silent and right. them just, you know, being like, okay, right. I'll go. You know, I mean, like, yeah. I have to go back and see it because you don't know. And it, 
It's interesting that you, I, I felt like it was very fight club similar as far as the, you know, but the review I listened to said something, you know, compared it to sixth sense. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't, I don't think that that's. I mean, the, I don't see that. I don't Obviously, see that comparison. Um, Cause I don't see that as being, I mean, but maybe like, is it, I don't think it's a ghost, but like, if he's not real, is it his dad? Like, is it his, right? like a, I don't know. Then anyway. there's, there's these men in black that are constantly popping up all over the place. But, that's but are also, they really like, I mean, have, there's, there's one point in the show where. He's like, he's, what do you he want? Like, he's like yelling at them and they're like, what are you talking about? You know? Yeah, what's wrong with this guy? So are they, they might be is real, but they're followed? just like. Is he not being followed? I mean, it's not always the same person either. Like right. it's always somebody different. So yeah. So you really can't trust what he's seeing and interpreting, which is like, it messes with me. Yeah. In and the narration, way. even I think the narration changes at one point where, you know, it kind of. Uh, shifts from through the first few shows, unless I'd have to go back and rewatch it mm-hmm. um, to know exactly, but he's doing this kind of first person narration throughout the show. And then all of a sudden it, it kind of shifts to this internal monologue where um, he's like, look at me, I'm talking to you and you're not real. Like he just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is, you know, half of episode four is him going through withdrawals and basically like, hallucinating so it's um it's very uh interesting to try to to make it through that episode i th- i heard on that uh andy greenwald podcast when he talked to rami malik he was like yeah the creator sam ishmael was like we just have to make make everybody get through episode four and we'll be good to go <laughs> so we'll see where it goes from here i yeah. guess but um yeah, I don't know. Overall, the show is just so good. Uh, the it is character really development, good. It's well done. They how how they deconstruct typical TV archetypes through all these different characters, and I, I found just in the the stuff that I've read and listened to, just the background from the creator is even really interesting. You know, he had this idea. This was originally uh, a movie idea that he had, and you know, kind of adapted it to television. It's so it's going to have like. He's already said it has a specific endpoint. It's not going to be a TV show that, because of its popularity, it just keeps Continues. on going when it really should stop. That's um, good. And, I, I mean, I feel like this is a good story to tell in television because, there. I mean, I can't imagine it being condensed down right. into a movie and still having the same effect and um, yeah. at all. You know, I mean, I think we'd be missing a whole lot. Yeah. It's very intense. It's very dark. It can be very, um, like, it's very emotionally draining for me, yeah. too. Um, so it is hard for me to, it, it, like I said, it's hard for me to elect to watch it. But I'm glad that we're watching it together. But I wouldn't be watching it without you, you know? Because <laughs> it's, it's it, it, can be, it can be difficult to watch. It's, you know, um, yeah not for lack of quality just because yeah. it's super intense. Yeah. yeah. So it's on Wednesday night. Uh, we don't watch it on Wednesday night. We watch it. We when stream we it when we can. Uh, but it's uh USA network. It's very good. And I would recommend it and I'm going to keep watching it. Yeah. And I'm going to keep watching it with you. I just, I won't be watching it without you. Right. Did you have anything else on Mr. Robot? 
No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, do you want to move on to your notable? Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, I mean, it's it's old at this point, but you know, given the rate that I'm able to catch up on Twitter and with CBR and things like that, um, Matt Kent's ending mind management it's done right. um, or will be done this month, and it's concluding with um, new management number one and so we've only we have the first volume have you ever finished it mm-hmm. okay it's amazingly good and yeah. i want to continue with it i mean there's several volumes out now and um it's just hard to keep up with and pick up but you know i love matt kent i like his writing he was so nice when we met him in person that it just makes me want to read more of his stuff because he seems like such a really good guy um so i'm like just seeing that mind management is ending and uh, makes me want to, you know, I got to, we have to pick up new management number one when right. it comes out this month. Um, yeah. We just can pick that it, up and then just, and then it. just hold on to it. <laughs> um, so it's just a, it's concluding with this one shot and I don't think new management is going to number one. You know, I don't think it's going to continue after that. That's the end. It's just going to be called, New management number one is one shot and over. Yeah. And that's it. It's just going to be wrapping up. And, you know, I mean, I think it's been three years has been the run on this. It sounds about right. um, By its length. Yeah. So anyway, I was reading an article on CBR about it and got me very excited to um, get back into, into that. And, you know, Matt Kent's art is, 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 good it's good and um it's sort of sketchy and um i don't know just very like dirty gritty i like it it's kind of intense as well yeah 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 for sure um so i'm you know that's my notable and i'm i'm excited about that this month yeah Mm -hmm. so mine was speaking of like some of the inventive ways they do movies and stuff in la this this isn't in la or this particular thing that I, is my notable wasn't held in LA, but I think mostly these are held in LA. This one was a live read of the big Lebowski in Montreal for the just for last festival. So Jason Reitman does these live reads of movie scripts with stars who, you know, aren't in the movie originally and they just do their own interpretation of the script. And he did this one for the Coen brothers, big Lebowski, which is, one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. of all time, obviously. I wish the recording was going to be available, but from everything I've seen, it doesn't seem like it's going to be released. seems like one of those things you just had to be there. So the dude is uh, Michael Fassbender. You know, Jeff Lebowski. Uh, Maude Lebowski, who was um, uh, Julianne Moore mm-hmm. in the movie, was Jennifer Lawrence. Bunny. Tara Reed from the movie was uh, Olivia Munn, who's the new Psylocke in X-Men. A lot of these people are from X-Men and Silicon Valley. They were all in Montreal for shooting or for the festival. But um, Walter, the uh, iconic John Goodman role, was played by Patton Oswalt. Uh, I guess who did a good job. I can't really see anybody else doing that that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was good things. There were good things said about it in the article. Uh, Brant Philip Seymour Hoffman was TJ Miller, the um, guy from Silicon Valley, did the voice in Big Hero 6. Um, 
was some oh the stranger Sam Elliott the narrator was Mike Judge. It's all just very interesting. Oh, Dennis Quaid was there too, <laughs> as like the big Lebowski. Uh, so that that's just it's like something that Jason Reitman does monthly in L.A. Uh, and uh, I thought that that sounded really fun, and it would have been cool to be there. Yeah. But that was it. That's my notable. <laughs> it's a couple weeks old now because it's been a couple weeks since we recorded. But it's cute that you're still really excited about it, though. Um. So I guess that'll wrap up this episode. The podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can also download it from the, our website, geekchew.com, or you can also contact us. Our email is geekchew at gmail.com, or on Twitter, at geekchew. Uh, Facebook. Facebook. All the regular places, if you listen, subscribe, and leave a rating review. We, we would, would really it. like that. And uh, that'll probably wrap it up. That's it. Do you have anything else? Nope. nope. It was fun. It was smart. We liked it. 